Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, today I want to answer some of these questions you guys have been sending in, and and um, let me tell you the questions first to uh, to give you an idea about whether you need to stay on or not. And these may not pertain to you, but if they do, stay tuned, and I'll uh, give you some answers here. One of the first questions that I think is important, I want everybody to hear this, though. This lady said after this week's Family in Crisis Conference, we because we do these Zoom calls and and people hop on. How best can I continue on this hard parenting journey as a single mom going through a divorce with two ADHD kids, ages 13 and 10? Should I continue to read his books, pray, try to implement these ideas? Ugh, it is so overwhelming. Okay, let me let me encourage you to do this, and and this will be a little bit of everybody. The first thing is there's so many things out there, whether it be this podcast or our radio broadcast articles, our newsletter that we send out on a weekly basis, get that and start reading those things. It can change um, perhaps how you perceive the situation you're in, uh, the role that you play, the culture of your kids, and give you some very practical helps about how to engage with your child. Now, just where everybody knows, I live with 60 high school kids. And uh, through the years, I now have had over 3,000 kids live with us, my wife and I, and all of our staff. And these kids come from all over the country. Great kids, just spinning out of control and making some poor choices. But they're just like my kids, just like your kids. And so that'd be the first thing I would say. Read the articles, listen to radio, get the podcast. The second thing is if... If that isn't working and you can't find those practical helps, then purchase my books. Uh, if I'm speaking somewhere, I'll give you the books. Uh, you come and see me, and and because I tell everybody, you know, at, at any event that I do, that if you can't afford the books, I, I want to just give them to you. So that's not those speaking events. If that doesn't work, then participate in what we call a Zoom Family in Crisis Conference. And those are held once a month. And uh, you can find out about all of those at parentingtodaysteens.org. If that doesn't work, then come to a family and crisis conference at Heartlight, because you're probably going to end up needing something like Heartlight if all these things are failing. And the other thing I would tell you is get in a parent group um, somewhere in your community or go to counseling yourself to get some insight and help. Okay, so I've answered one question. Here are the other questions I'm going to be tackling today. The first question comes from a father who says, how do we get her to see the issues that we believe are causing her pain when she's convinced that they are not a part of the problem? The second question would be this, how do I handle an adoptive aunt that tells my son, if you don't like your dad's rules, then you can come live with me? Ooh, bad aunt. Hey, here's another question. Somebody says, dating advice. Somebody says, yikes, dating. What does Mark recommend regarding what age to let him start? Another question um, is this, is that our son is uh, 17, and he's connected with a good counselor. However, he's still smoking pot daily with his unhealthy friends. 
Our relationship is less conflicted, but he is detached from us. Something happened to him, but we don't know what caused him to start using. Should we continue to focus on the relationship above the behavior, or should we try to stop his use again knowing that conflict will result? And the other question is this that I think is is great. Everyone's advice is always to go to therapy and send him to treatment, but how do you make him go? He absolutely refuses to get any help alone or with us. Okay, so those are the questions we're going to be tackling. So let me jump back to the first one here. And that's the question where somebody says, how do we get her to see the issues that we believe are causing the pain when she's convinced they're not a part of the problem? Here's the first thing to understand about kids. Most kids don't know the reason uh, that they are motivated by their behavior. All behavior is goal-oriented, and so they're doing things for a reason. But I'm not so sure that kids really know what that reason is. So to try to convince a child to go get help for something that they don't realize is a problem or what they're trying to resolve, it's just hard. And so, you know, sometimes a child will say, um, that's not a part of the problem. I go, well, then that's not going to be that much of a problem to look at it then. Then why are you so fearful to talk about this stuff? If it's not that big of a problem then let's talk about it and get on the other side of it and we can move on to something else. I try to get them to understand that that my prying in their life and, and wanting to move in and try to help them understand things isn't because I'm going to get them into trouble, nor is there anything wrong about saying, hey, maybe you need some help. Unless this. I, I told one of our counselors this today. If you never say you're wrong, you're never going to hear a child say that they're wrong. If you never say that you need help, then your child will never say that they need help. If you never ask for their forgiveness, they'll never ask for yours. If you never pay them a compliment, they're never going to pay you a compliment. And so the first place to go is looking at yourself and saying, okay, are we a cause of the pain or is it something else? Because it may be you that she really thinks is the cause of the pain. It's not whatever else this something is that that you're talking about. But when she's convinced that that all these other things are not a part of the problem, there's some reason for that. And that may be where you entice somebody to go to counseling and talk to somebody else. But it's usually the atmosphere that they're in, whether they will start sharing things... um, outside of being right all the time. Okay, here's another question. It says, how do I handle an adoptive aunt that tells my son, if you don't like your dad's rules, you can come live with me? Well, you know what I'd do? I'd eliminate the aunt. I think I would go to her first and I would say, hey, we need to talk. Um, And so evidently this is a a, a sister or a sister-in-law that probably has good intentions and loves her nephew and is saying that, hey, if, if that's not working, then you can come live with me, which is well-intended but poorly placed in the life of a, of a child who's going to use that as an escape to get out of following the rules. I mean, I, you know what? I, I believe this. I, I believe that, that there should be one set of parents in the life of a child, not a bunch. You know, it's like this. Grandparents have an amazing way of sometimes thinking their parents on steroids 
or that they're super parents. And, and so they make all these rules and, and you know, and, and that's just false. If you're not living with a child, then it's very difficult to be the rule maker or, uh, the, uh, or try to understand why somebody else would have rules when you don't get it, when that child's not acting the same way around you. There is something about letting mom and dad rule the roost. It's like with my kids, and I'm a grandparent, and and I think I'm a great parent. But you know what? My kids, in raising their kids, I don't contradict them at all. Unless they come to me and ask me a question, I don't show any lack of support for their decisions their choices, and the way they're going to raise their kids. And unless you're living there, you have no right to go in and tell other people how to live their life, much less bail a child out. Because what's happening is, and if you're an aunt doing this to a nephew, I would warn you, what you're doing is saying that rules aren't important and you can do it better when you haven't lived with the child yet. The the non-supportive role of people trying to tell everybody else how to raise their kids, you know, kind of puts everybody in a tough spot. It ruins relationships. It helps a child not obey authority and respect parents, and it only complicates things. So I would I would go to this aunt, and and this is what I would say is that I appreciate your love for for your nephew, and I uh, we love that, but we don't need help parenting. But we sure would love for you to be an aunt. And, but that means that you need to be supportive of what we're doing and, um, and have that discussion. Now, at the same time, I would tell you this, whenever you get confronted by something like that, always ask yourself the question, are you being too strong? If you're treating a 17-year-old like a 12-year-old, then maybe you need to change some of your ways. If you're still trying to teach them when they need to be trained, then maybe there is something. Maybe you're exasperating or, or, you know, just, you know, provoking your child to anger. If you are, then do something about that. But... Go and say, I, hey, I know I have a problem with my anger, but we're going to resolve that. And I'm getting help, but I don't need your help. I need your support. And, and kind of win them over uh, to your side and get her to understand that having your child leave and go live with her is not going to help the situation any. Dads. You love your teens, and you're doing everything to show them. But sometimes, it still doesn't feel like enough. You're busy and short on time, sacrificing a lot as it is, but you still feel like you run out of time for what really matters. A Devotional for Dads is the perfect book to help remind dads of life's biggest priorities and help them show their wives and kids how much they really matter. A Devotional for Dads is full of short, poignant, thought-provoking devotionals that give a biblical perspective of who a dad is supposed to be. It's more than just advice. It's a reminder of just how important dad's role really is and how much he matters. Get your copy of A Devotional for Dads at parentingteenresources.org, either for yourself or as a gift for the dad in your life who loves and cherishes his kids. Hey, here's another question. Somebody says dating advice. Uh, Yikes, dating. What does Mark recommend regarding and what age to let them start? Okay, I I just want you to know this. My wife and I started dating when we were 14 years old. 
We were in ninth grade. It was at the end of our ninth grade year, and um, we went to this concert by a group called Led Zeppelin, and my mother drove me. The tickets were a whole $6, and we thought that was expensive. I knew by my sophomore year that I was going to marry this gal. Um, I just knew it. And so I attached to her uh, quickly. Now, here's the thing. Your child's not going to be interested in the opposite sex up until about, you know, the normal age is around 12. Um, And so at 12, I would just realize the change is coming. At 13, let them hang out at school events and spend time together. Now, remember, you're training a child. You're wanting them to learn how to be around the opposite sex without being a a uh, sex-filled mindset of of the way that they engaged. But let them learn how to spend time together. And then at 14, maybe let them go over to each other's houses, supervised, of course, you know, and, and at 15, let them start dating. And that may be contrary to what a lot of people think. But I know this. Kids don't know how to spend time together. They don't relate well. The maturity levels are low. They need to have some iron sharpening iron time with the opposite sex so they can learn about the opposite sex. And the reason I want them to learn about the opposite sex is because I want them to know what they're choosing when they pick a spouse. Your child will marry the last person they date. And if that's true, then I want them to know what they're looking for in the opposite sex. Okay, 16, when she starts driving, let them go out more. But have, but I, I mean, have the curfews. I mean, you know, you, if you come to my home, Jan and I are 65 years old. You come to my home, we shut it down at midnight. I don't care how old you are. And the reason we do that is because we go to bed. At 17, you're pretty much on your own. Just stick with the house rules. And 18, Pray that your child will allow you to continue to be involved in, the, in their life and the one, um, uh, the one that they're dating. Okay, somebody else. I'm going to throw another question here because I just see it on this sheet. Uh, I, I made a comment once that consequences encourage your teen to make the right choices. And this, and this lady goes, I beg to differ with you. Well, let me tell you something. I'm... I think that that foolishness ushers in pain, and I think that wisdom uh, ushers in pleasure. And the greater the consequence to inappropriate behavior, the greater the pain, I don't know of many kids that will continue to want more pain in their life. If not, there's really another problem going on. And so I don't know whether somebody's saying to me, no, no, you, you can't have consequences. I go... The problem I think that so many kids are having today is there aren't consequences for their behavior and they get out of stuff. And so, yes, consequences for actions, encouragement to choose well, um, and then offer carrots that reward good behavior. Okay, that's kind of a bonus question you get there. Okay, here's somebody else that said, you know, we... We uh, have a son that's 17 years old, and he's connected with a good counselor. However, he's still smoking pot daily with his unhealthy friends. Our relationship is less conflicted, but he's detached from us. Something happened to him, but we don't know. Should we continue to focus on the relationship above the behavior? You know, absolutely. 
What's more important, your relationship that you have with your child or whether they're smoking pot? Because this is what's happening. If you lose the relationship, then you will never be able to speak truth into the life of your child, nor will you have any influence in their life later on. And there's, you know, and they're saying he's still smoking pot with his unhealthy friends and our relationship is less conflicted. Maybe it's the way that you engage with your child that's causing him to smoke pot. And the reason I say that is that's the place you have to start. Is there something that I am doing that's causing more anxiety in your life? Because what you want to do is create a place of rest for your child. When Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your soul. Well, if a child doesn't find rest somewhere, then they will find rest. And you can do that by smoking pot. It's kind of like a little vacation they get to go on. Now, the other part of it is he's relational. He wants to have relationships with people, but maybe he feels shamed. Maybe he feels alienated, and the only people that he can really hang out with are these unhealthy uh, friends. But let me tell you something. I live (laughs) with, with 60 unhealthy friends that you're talking about, and they're all good kids. They're just struggling and making poor choices, and and I think what you might find is that that those kids can be a great affirmation to your child and help your child just as much. But it's not trying to keep your child away from them because their parents are saying that your child is unhealthy. Um, you've got to focus on the relationship. That's what's key. And so, so when somebody says, should we continue to focus on the relationship above the behavior? Absolutely. Let there be consequences. But I, I go, your child's you know, smoking for a reason. Got to find out what that reason is. And then you put the relationship first, you know, and, and, and then hopefully get them some help in some way. I think that kids change because of relationship. The power of your love over a period of time can, can warm the coldest of hearts. So don't lose heart. Just, just because a kid is smoking pot doesn't mean you're going to lose them forever. Be concerned, but don't ruin the relationship over it. Here's another question. It says, everyone's advice is always to go to therapy or send him to treatment, but how do you make him go? He absolutely refuses to get any help. You know, I, I go back to the comment I made earlier that sometimes kids don't want help because they look at it as a sign of weakness. And so how do you look at it? Do you think it's a sign of weakness? Or Scripture would say that, that, um, that a fool doesn't listen to wise counsel. A fool is wiser in his own eyes than the discreet answer of of seven wise men. The way of the fool appears right to him. A fool delights in airing his opinion. You know, a fool is 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 a is a tough place to be. And a child who says, I've got this, I can do it all on my own, is a fool. And so what it may be is you know, there may be a great need to try to encourage him by offering him a reward or offering him something. And somebody goes, well, that's manipulation. You know what it is? I'm manipulating the circumstances for the benefit of my child. And there's no great damage. It may be, hey, if you go to counseling, I'm happy to pay for your cell phone. You know, I'm happy to give you an extra, you know, a couple of tanks of gas uh, in your car. I would be happy to help you get a car. But it, it, somewhere it's saying that we've got to resolve the issues because the issues are springing up somewhere in your behavior. 
I mean, it's interesting to me that that behavior is the visible expression of the invisible issues in the life of a child. And and if there's some behavior that you see that is wrong, then it is saying there's something driving that behavior. That's where you want to get your child help so the behavior stops. So encourage them with some positive behavior in some way. And somebody else asked me the other day is, is how do you know when your relationship isn't going well um, with your teen? And I go, do this. Text him right now. Text him right now. Is there something in our relationship? Is there something that I do that's getting in the way? Am I pushing you away by my actions or my comments? Do you like me less or more than you did a year ago? What can I do different that would allow our relationship to flourish? What do you see in me that's keeping us from growing deeper? Do you want our relationship to remain this sour? Do you still want to hate me when you're 30 years old? See where I'm going? And when a child answers you, don't correct him. Don't tell him, you know, the excuse that you have. Don't tell him that, you know, you can say that better. Let him express himself. Let her tell you what she thinks. And engage with them differently, but let them know, thank you. I need to know that. And my first comment would be this. You know I don't want to be that to you. I want to be something different, and I hope we can resolve these things. You know, it's all about relationship. Your relationship is important with your child because if you don't have a relationship with them, then there is uh, no platform for you to engage with them, to offer them advice, guidance, and direction, and to help them make good choices in life. And so the relationship is important. Don't forget that. It's the most important relationship that your child's going to have during their adolescent years. It's you. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.